Do you like to be the first name of your sex tape? Well, if you like to be the first to listen to podcasts, you might want to check out our Patreon because now we're offering a brand new membership tier called Name of Your Sex Tape. I couldn't help it, guys. I'm sorry. For five pounds a month, you'll get an ad-free version of our weekly episode on a Tuesday, a full day earlier than its usual release. So you can be the very first to talk about how funny our guest was, how quickly you cracked the case, or how badly I answered a question. Plus, you'll get all the benefits of our regular tier, including our live Zoom records, a special shout out on the podcast, and if you really like to hear us talk, we've got an entire back catalog of extra content. Check it out on patreon.com forward slash drunk women solving crime. Name of your sex tape. Name of your sex tape. Name of your sex tape. Fancy coming along to see Drunk Women Solving Crime live? Ooh, yes please. Why not join us for our monthly London residency at the marvellous Museum of Comedy? We've got monthly shows through to June. Plus, every show is a double header, so you get to see us record not one, but two episodes with two fantastic guests. You can find tickets on our website, drunkwomensolvingcrime.com. Shows are selling out fast, so be quick. Noise. Noise. Drunk Women Solving Crime. Drunk Women. Drunk Women Solving Crime. Drunk This is Drunk Women Solving Crime. My name's Taylor Glenn, and I'm a writer and comedian. I'm joined by screenwriter Hannah George. Hello. As well as author and comedian Katie Wilkins. Hello. This is where beer meets breaking and entering, Prosecco meets perjury, and vodka meets vandalism. It's a true crime podcast with a twist of lime. Coming up on Drunk Women Solving Crime... One of the things I've noticed on Drunk Women is that often the woman will recall that he had a massive dick. I tend to look away and be like, oh my god, and then I tend to be with a friend who can't stop staring. Ah! I'm like, I'm staring, it's gross. There's another word for last night's Prosecco, that's called white wine. (laughs) I just read a book called Do No Harm, and for HG to have read a book... Feels like she has to say it on a podcast. So um, I've been doing a lot of work on myself, guys, and I can really spot that now. <laughs> now it's time for drunk women solving crime. Hello, welcome to yet another remotely recorded episode of Drunk Women Solving Crime. It is my pleasure to introduce our guest for this episode is the fantastic screenwriter, Christine Robertson. Hi, Christine. How does it feel clapping for yourself? I'm a big fan of it and I'm going to try and do it every day now. Yes. (laughs) I recommend it. It's got to be better than meditation, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm a big Applaud fan. Yourself. Applaud like yourself. Just after you've done Applaud like tiny yourself. little things as well, sort of like you've cut a slice of bread and it's gone in a straight line. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Oh, oh. yes. <laughs> Thanks, Hannah George. I've literally never achieved that, but I will try. <laughs> straight bread. I just had to visualize that. Christine, we kick off every episode the same way, and that is to ask you, have you ever been the victim of a crime? Big, fat, yes. Okay. So, of course I have. I'm a woman. (laughs) Um, Oh, yeah. So, I know this is a popular subgenre of this bit of the Drunk Women podcast, (laughs) so I have brought my own tale of unsolicited dick. There we go. I clapped Um, unsolicited dick. I'm confused now. I'm sorry. I was part of a big group of schoolgirls. What? (laughs) Who got flashed (gasps) on a geography field trip. What? (laughs) To Banger in North Wales. Wow. In the the late 80s. Oh, my God. Oh, no. That really writes itself. I'm sorry. That's terrible. It does. Great details already. (laughs) Banger. Yeah. Come on. So there's... Yeah, there's a few things. There's a, there are a few highlights of it. I mean, well, 
that is, but <laughs> it'll be over really quickly, this story. So basically, imagine a group of 11 to 12, I know, girls. Oh. Um, uh, year old girls, sorry. There's about 60 of us, I think, yeah. on this big geography uh, school trip. And we're walking down the beach in Bangor, or near Bangor. Yeah. And we're in pairs, or threes maybe. I'm towards the back of this line of pairs, and there's teachers dotted about. And I'm with my mate Vicky, and we're probably talking about bros or new kids on the block. And But at the time, <laughs> we sort of become conscious of like just this bit of commotion further up ahead the line ah. that is starting to ripple its way, ripple its way down the line yeah. towards us. And then the teacher really close to us just very casually went, look away, girls. <laughs> like, like, in such this really odd, like, in hindsight, her tone. <laughs> in hindsight, I think she was a bit like, oh, this again. Look away, yes. girls. Like, yes. I wondered if it had happened, like, if it was happening every year that that school went on a geography field trip. To Bangor. Oh. Um, and so, obviously, when the teacher says, look away, every- you're like, oh, why, what's happening? <laughs> And then, and at that moment, the guy who has started running past the line of girls further ahead is about, is passing us. Let's say he looks like white Jesus in a raincoat, like an open raincoat, naked, obvs, maybe trainers, but he's running really fast and like, and he has long hair. And this feels a bit like Chariots of Fire. Like it was a bit like Chariots of Fire. Wow, Hannah! Like I only, of fire. I only watched um, the edited for TV version. I wish I'd seen the original. <laughs> but one of the things, one of the things I've noticed on Drunk Women, like a theme in these kinds of stories yeah. about being flashed, is that often the woman will recall that he had a massive dick, and that was the case for this beach Ooh. banger flasher as well. To the point where I wonder if that's like, if, if there's some kind of link between, <laughs> I don't, or maybe it's a cry for help, I don't know. So <laughs> where am I? So, so the thing is, is that we were so, we were a bit too young to actually really understand oh. what was happening, what we yeah. were seeing. Yeah. And so consequently, no one ever spoke of it after oh, that. Wow. <laughs> and, um, and it was really odd because I remember looking at my friend and going like, huh? And she was kind of staring at him as he ran past, sort of in shock. Yeah. I just think if we'd been a few years older, we would have been like like squealing, like giggly, oh. like embarrassed. But but because we were just that bit too young to really understand what was happening and why, it was more like, what the fuck was that about? Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> right. and so, yeah, it was, a, it, it was just a, a weird... Thing that I think tells you a lot about yourself as well and how you react to it like with you know later examples yes I tend to look away and be like oh my god and then I tend to be with a friend who can't stop staring <laughs> I'm like what are you staring it's gross was so, there a point later where you were like oh that's what that was yeah like you just forget about it like no one spoke about it and it's probably years later where you're like Oh yeah, that happened. Right. And then you come to realise that oh, we were targeted. Like he was deliberately right, running yeah. past a massive group of girls. Yeah. Um, and then I did a bit of, I did a bit of googling into psychology of flashing. <laughs> just to like, amazing. I also googled like flasher banger beach oh, wow. just to see what headlines came yeah. up. And at least, there were at least two different headlines of different guys oh, like wow. in the last 10 years who've been arrested for it. And wow. Stuff. So clearly a hotspot. <laughs> but, um, but I also looked at like treatment for it oh. as well. And there was a thing that in the States, I don't know if they still do this, yeah. but at the time the article was written, they were pioneering this method of treatment for exhibitionism in the States. Wow. And it was to basically get like female volunteers to come in and line up and have the flasher like expose himself to them and they were instructed to like be deadpan and give no reaction which I thought was really interesting but I also felt bad because I was like there's no way I could do that job like I'm just so childish yeah. and I can start laughing these women that's... these stony faced women <laughs> that's, a, yeah. that's a tough kind of jury duty you would definitely be excluded I think I would like, be too how do they find those if they like put it Craigslist could you keep a straight face <laughs> exactly. come there's a job for exactly. you exactly it's probably sadly the more you've been flashed the more just like you know, yeah, immune like, to oh, it, you are my yeah. Like my teacher. <laughs> yeah, she was so <laughs> fatigued by yeah. it. 
Uh, oh, that's such, in many ways, that's my favorite part of the story because it's just so telling. Like both the innocence of that line of very young girls sort of just not even knowing what's hit them. Yeah. yeah. And then the jaded teacher. Like yeah, what a fatigue. What like, a little flash of I womanhood also, there. I, I wonder yeah. about the flasher. Like, did he know you guys were 11, 12? Or was he like, oh, shit, they're really young once, but he's already running, so he had to continue? <laughs> or was he actually <laughs> funny? Like, who is actually, he in this? Like, was he like, yeah, who stars? is this guy? Like, yeah, that's really interesting you say that, because one of the things I came across uh, whilst Googling, I try not to Google too hard, because I didn't want to go on a list or something. <laughs> but what I did find was that... um like flashes can t- choose to target specific groups so some will do like adults only some will specifically target kids um but i remember his facial expression looking like <laughs> he looked a bit distressed like oh i don't he, he wasn't enjoying it i don't know isn't that interesting though like because uh, like um people that flash like they know you're not looking at their face but you you know you, as yeah. people didn't really know what was going on you were like oh god he looks like a really sad man yeah i know and i just so then i think well did he start doing it and then immediately regret it but he'd committed to it and so he just had to see it yeah. through and like carry on running past the entire line of girls or something like oh, that wow. was the look of a man who wasn't sure about his life choices. Oh, I love that maybe you guys um, rattled the moral compass of a flasher. Like, that makes me really happy today. It really does. It's so, it's so like, there's so many layers. Because, like, so I, I have a friend who is, like, quite a short lady. And she's had, like, people, like, you know, like, get their dicks. Well, like, there was a time when she was walking on the street. The traffic was stopped. Someone shouted to her, so she looked. And they had their dick out in their lap sitting in the car and then they realized that she wasn't a 14 year old she was like a 20 30 year old woman and she started screaming and shouting get your fucking dick away and they were like oh shit you know so also there was a situation where they thought they could cruise by but then there was traffic lights (laughs) and then she was like yeah and another thing and like um so they were really screwed were you in like the first year of your secondary school so your uniform would have been either first or second were you in uniform I don't know that we would have been okay. actually, because um, yeah, we were sort of on our way to like oh, measure so in, like, riverbeds or home something. Home clothes for hiking um, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but clearly, we're a group of schoolgirls because there's loads of us and then a few like female teachers. <laughs> <laughs> but no, because it's because I remember like when I started secondary school and I had to wear my school uniform and I would walk to school and suddenly like I'd be eleven and I'd be getting like wolf whistled from builders i'd be like yeah you know like kids from the school that hated our school shouting nice leg like but intimidates they weren't really complimenting my legs they were (laughs) (laughs) they were being abusive but thanks katie thanks like nice legs yeah 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 they were so sarcastic but (laughs) the old leg neg yeah we know but you know like that was like right you're in the uniform you're in that category you're the age demographic now where you get catcalled and yeah. it's like I find so, that you're so suddenly intri- fair game or something like it's yeah weird. starts early starts early i remember yeah. you telling me about your mate who um yeah who's short and gets because so friends of mine who are shorter tend to get i think shorter women tend to get more because um, men think they're vulnerable but they're not yeah because men think they're children yeah. yeah it's yeah. awful yeah. yeah and we get a window into what the fuck is happening <laughs> yeah to actual <laughs> girls yeah yeah Yikes. yeah uh, well, anyway, comedy problems, yeah. is it? Sorry. <laughs> I, think, I think we've mined a few laughs from that, don't okay. worry. <laughs> just as a contrast, though, just quickly, I remember my boyfriend telling me about he went on a school trip to Wales to a beach and they just found a dead goat and played with it. That's, like, that's what happens to fucking boys. Girls have to pick up with... They have to put up with all this that is shit such a boy story comparatively yeah. why were they playing with a goat corpse that's messed up as well you know what he could have been in the same school as Christine and didn't even notice yeah. <laughs> what, mark, what mark did he get <laughs> how does one play with a dead goat I mean uh, I say play I think maybe they poked, poked it a bit poked it with a stick yeah, yeah he was okay. trying to sex up that story <laughs> oh. then. Yeah. he was trying to undeviate that story Christine you may know that we always ask um, if you had the perpetrator here now let's say he's clothed just for yeah for once in his life for once in his fucking life what would you say to him well I would 
encourage him if he hasn't already to seek help um and maybe go to the states if they are a bit more radical with their treatment (laughs) and if if he's still doing it (laughs) many decades later (laughs) um because like clearly it's a it's a problem so i don't want to be like what the fuck are you doing um like it's something that he can't control um so i would just encourage him to seek help and just try and be positive about it but also i would actually ask him like were you distressed because yeah. you didn't look happy about it like talk me through what was going through your mind like at the time um so yeah wherever you are wow flasher on the beach at banger <laughs> I am now pretty intrigued about this theory that it has to do with the size of the penis. Yeah. Because this has come up a lot. Even, like, I was 12. I'd never seen a penis before, but even I was like, well, that looks too big. Like, do you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Nothing to compare it to. But even to me, I was like, But also, for (laughs) any men listening to this podcast, like, that is terrible advice. Like, I guess if you're not a flasher, you've got, like, a really tiny dick. Like, let's not tell men (laughs) that. (laughs) Well, I wonder if it's linked to, like, just the toxic masculinity of obsession with dick size and stuff. Yeah. And, Mm. and, you know, I'm sure it is. Yeah. Um, Thank you very much for sharing that, Christine. Now it's time. For drunk women solving crime. It segues interestingly because I think you were very magnanimous about saying, you know, this this is a problem, so you don't want to just lay into somebody. Because we're kind of going to veer into a little bit of mental health stuff. Yay! Ooh. How fun! <laughs> we're going to be great. Cheers. It's time right. for our... I've got mental health. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing loads of meditation videos, guys. I'm sane now. Yeah, I just felt like it would be timely. So um, it's time for the true crime portion of the podcast where we're going to deconstruct a true crime case. But I will say I have um, I've gone off the beaten path, as it were, on this one, but I just couldn't help myself. So here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact. You can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This case involves a man called Walter Freeman. And Walter Freeman pioneered a medical procedure called the transorbital lobotomy, Uh-oh. or as it's better known in history, the ice pick lobotomy. Oh, God. Oh, this doesn't sound that sounds good. painful. This episode is not for the squeamish. I'm just going to put that out there. But I'm also going to say Walter Freeman is definitely a controversial figure in history, but he is not a criminal. However, your mission for this case is to decide, do you think his actions were criminal? So let us go. Christine's face now is so good. I don't know. I'm like, I wasn't expecting the ice pick lobotomist. (laughs) Okay, let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. Also, it sounds like if anyone was going to eat their dinner while they listen to this, maybe don't. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, So the ice pick lobotomy is considered one of the most barbaric mistakes in history. I love that line because there are so many barbaric mistakes to choose from. Come on, it's got to be like... On the scale of mistakes, we've hit barbaric. (laughs) It doesn't feel like those two things should really sit together. Like, it's either barbaric or it was an honest mistake. Like, oh, anyway... So we'll get into how it was actually done. But my first question for you guys, what year do you think this procedure was first performed? They were still doing fucking lobotomies like in the 60s or something, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah. So it it might not be as far back as I wish it was. Yeah. Yeah. It's like 1900s. It's going to be an uncomfortably recent time, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Mm. 40s, maybe? When is um, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest set? So 40s, Christine has said, um, 70s, I think. Okay. Or was it set, set in the 60s? I think it was written in the 70s, but maybe it was set earlier. I can't okay, remember. Okay, I'm going to say 1960s. Mm-hmm. 
I'm going to go maybe 1912 when the Titanic <laughs> 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 Because, it, I mean, who needed a fucking ice pick if not the people on the Titanic? <laughs> so... <laughs> you know what? Every time you say this, I'm never sick of it. It cracks me up. It's fresh. It's fresh every time. I love that you took the ice pick and ran with it. Because honestly, I wrote up the details and I'm like, where are we going to find the funny? But we always do. We always do. <laughs> Uh, Christine, you are correct. It was first performed in 1946. Nice. Yes. Wow. Is this a competition? Am I scoring points? Yes. I mean, mm. <laughs> no, don't so, Walter, that's good. <laughs> Walter Jackson Freeman was born in Philadelphia, uh, sorry, 1895. I almost made a Hannah George mistake. In 1995, <laughs> he was born. <laughs> 1895, his father and grandfather were both successful doctors. And in fact, his grandfather was William Williams Keene. I need to pause on that awesome name. Williams Williams Keene. William Williams Keene. I don't have a middle name, but the thought that I could be Taylor Taylor's Glenn, or it could be Hannah Hannah's George, or Katie Katie's Wilkins, or Christine Christine's Robertson. I love it. Um, But unlike myself, this man was very famous and respected. uh, And he was the first ever brain surgeon in the US. So he's... Walter basically has this like hero father and hero grandfather. What impact do you think that had on Walter? Well, that's a lot of pressure, isn't it? When you're from a family of successful doctors or whatever, you feel like you need to earn your place in the family, surely. Yeah, I would imagine that he was obsessed with some kind of delusions of grandeur. Yeah, both spot on. Although, interestingly, he actually wasn't interested in medicine by all accounts so he didn't really want to veer in that direction but it was kind of the family path and he had some very big shoes to fill like this grandfather is a fascinating that figure is the worst like that's so if you yeah. i always remember katie sure it was you that told me that you went to the doctors and they were like what do you do for a job and you're like i'm an author and the doctor was like oh god i've always wanted to be an author and you were like fuck sake, you don't want to go to the doctor that never wanted to be a doctor <laughs> You want the guy that was obsessed with medicine and helping people from day fucking one. And not like this guy who wants to, you know, um, be like, you know, his granddad or dad or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You don't want the depressed person trying to please their parents. Yeah, alarm bells. That is honestly the best way to kick off this story because, yeah, exactly. He he had these huge shoes to fill, but he didn't even really want to fill them, it sounds like. That's not a recipe for success. It's not a recipe for I've been, healthy... I've, I've been doing a lot of work on myself, guys, and I can really spot that now. <laughs> this is good. <laughs> Katie says, this is bad. This is bad. So does Walter actually go to medical school? Yeah. Does he drop out? He definitely goes. I reckon he shows up for a bit. Okay. Yeah, I think, yeah, something about showing willing, but his heart's not yeah. in it. Yeah, he would definitely start. But yeah, yeah, he I doesn't rebel till later. Okay. HG, any <gasps> advance on that? I think maybe he finishes it, but he gets like a 2 2, so he may as well not have bothered. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. I'm only joking. How dare you insult my degree? How dare you? <laughs> I'm fine. I got 2 1. <laughs> I will never understand the system here. My daughter is so screwed. Like, she could say any number. She could be like, I got a 1 4, and I'd be like, yes. I have no idea what any of this means. I have no interest in finding out. That's the problem. (laughs) So he does go to medical school. And in fact, he goes to fantastic schools. I mean, he's got this legacy. He goes to Yale. He goes to Penn. He does a bit of study at Georgetown. He even studies a bit of neurology in Europe. Um, But hold that thought. Walter becomes fascinated by mental illness because he works at a place called St. Elizabeth's Hospital in Washington, D.C. Now, this was the first federally funded psychiatric hospital in the U.S., so it's got a huge history dating back to the Civil War. Um, But at this time, obviously, treatment options are super limited. Mental illness is really poorly understood. And this hospital was described as having near-Victorian conditions. Okay. That's, that's my new favorite burn. Like, this is near-Victorian. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a full-on asylum, and we're, like, 100 years away from, like, diagnosing PTSD. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> so for a start, I mean, there's lots I could say about the hospital, but for a start, it was extremely overcrowded. So next question... 
How many patients did St. Elizabeth's have at its peak? So in America, in the 1950s, there were 500,000 patients in mental asylums in the whole country. And by 1996, maybe it was down to 100,000 or something. I've been reading. You have been doing work on yourself. I've been reading about psychology all day, trying to become sane. um, I'm pretty sure I've got that roughly right. Katie, do you want to pop a number on it? 50,000 people. 20,000 people. It's just one place in DC, right? And one hospital. It's too many. It's one hospital, Katie. 2,000 people. Can I, can I say a number? Just any number? Yes, is this, please. Like, is this is this peak number that were there at one time, or is it like yes, yes, over the course of a year? So okay. they're they're oh popping extra beds in. They're shoving as many people as they can. Katie's done that thing where she said wow. such a huge number that the result will sound not so <laughs> impressive. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, sorry. It's okay. I'll, well, I'll go low. I'll go low. Okay. A thousand. Okay. All right. And sort of, to me, I guess that what it depends on is it depends on how many like nurses and doctors you have compared to the amount of patients, if you see what I mean. So if you've got a thousand patients, but you've got 500 doctors, then great. But I don't imagine they do. So, yeah, I I think. But in terms of having everybody in such a pressure cooker of one hospital, I'm going to go. What Christine said. I said a thousand. But that's like that was low compared to Katie, but might still be really high. (laughs) I'll go fifteen hundred somewhere in between. Very good, guys. This question never works. I'm going to stop doing the like how many. It's an incredible amount. Oh, fuck. D- dial back. Dial <laughs> Sorry, back. I ruined it with my <laughs> rambling. No, what, with 50,000, Katie? <laughs> I loved your super fun facts, though, Katie. That's this, Seriously, yeah. that's great. Um, it had 8,000 patients. Oh, that's a lot. Wow. It's a shit ton. It averaged about 5,000 on a good day, and it reached 8,000 at one point. Wow. I basically got that one right. <laughs> anyway um in the early 30s freeman learns about a new experimental procedure which involved drilling into a patient's skull and removing part of the frontal lobe of the brain he became obsessed with using this technique and he eventually coins the word lobotomy oh that was him wow Now, next question. Dr. Freeman partners up with a neurosurgeon to start performing lobotomies. Question, why would he partner up with a neurosurgeon to do this? Why not go solo? Well, it legitimizes his work and ideas, doesn't it? If he's got, like, an expert at his side Mm. to, like... Otherwise, he could just be, like, a rogue madman. I don't know. Okay, good thinking. That makes me think that he didn't finish medical school, so he needs somebody that knows stuff to help Mm. him. And all I was thinking was, oh, my God, Taylor told us whether he finished medical school or not, and I can't remember, but you didn't tell us. So Um, I agree with Katie that, yeah, he he didn't quite have that qualification. Although, as we know, like at that time in like yep. America, to be a doctor, you can just say, Confidence oh, yeah, money, I'm... you can do what you want. Yeah. True, true. Well, cheers. But... <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Bottoms up. Yay, terrible, terrible history. That was hilarious because Christine's like flute of Prosecco just appeared from nowhere there. And that was hilarious. You've been drinking apple sours up to this She's point. She's changing it up. I've switched. I switched to last night's Prosecco. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. There's another word for last night's Prosecco. That's called white wine. (laughs) (laughs) Fine, fine. It still looks great in that glass, though. Oh, I love your your guys. Oh. (laughs) Wow. You know, lockdown, I've been stuck with one guy. It's been been a time. Okay. You guys are definitely on the right path. He did finish medical school, but by this point, there were specialities, and he's not a trained surgeon. You can be a doctor, but not be a surgeon. You can be a surgeon and not be a neurosurgeon, which is the most arguably... So he needs a properly trained wingman. Absolutely. So he joins forces with a man called Dr. Watts, who actually performs the procedures while Freeman ostensibly instructs him on how to do it. So the regular, your bog standard lobotomy involved drilling six holes in the patient's skull to remove portions of the brain now the claim at the time that this was it was that this was a miracle cure because 
in some cases, it did render the patient much calmer and I think more importantly, much easier to deal with. What they didn't know at the time is that they were effectively causing brain damage to one of the most complex parts of the human brain um, wow. and well, rendering that, them... The, the amygdala is at the front with the... No, amygdala is at the back. Oh, it's at the, the back. frontal lobe. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the amygdala is regulating your sort of, your basic... I, I hope I don't get this right wrong. Right and flightened. Right. The frontal lobe is what makes humans human. Your personality is basically in there, but also impulse control. Wow, I'm going from memory here, so okay. this is scary. Impulse control, decision-making, sexuality, social behavior, like everything that makes you you is in the front brain. Right. So they're basically like severing the part of people that controls all that and when it would work quote unquote they're basically just putting people in a childlike or vegetative state mm. wow yeah, uh-uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah. that was a thumbs down, down from I, christine <laughs> i am not on board with this procedure drunk women solving crime ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Yeah. So Freeman decides. I'm gonna hear more, but no, I'm joking. I'm not bored. I'm not bored. <laughs> Freeman decides he wants to create a less invasive procedure, uh, and you're going to love that term in a second. What's his idea? What is the transorbital lobotomy? What do you think his idea was? Is it (gasps) spearing them with an ice pick? Oh, fuck. Is it fewer fewer holes? It is. That's what she said. It's basically... (laughs) What's an easier way to get to the brain? Through the heart? (laughs) <laughs> I'm just thinking about dating here rather than yeah. anything else. Um, yeah. An easy the way, way to... to get to a man's brain is through his heart. Yes. <laughs> well, easier than through the skull. I'm, I'm confused. <laughs> I'm confused. I'm like literally yeah. like through the mouth, through go the through eyes, the inside, the nose, eye ding, sockets, ding ding through the eyes. Oh shit! Oh, no. This is mutilation on top Less of invasive. Less invasive, yes. He starts experimenting literally with an ice pick from his kitchen drawer. He experiments on dead bodies to start with, as you do. I mean, that's not even... That's what he should have done. You go on cadavers first. Um, But he basically... The procedure is this. He would go above the eyeball, and the skull bone behind the eyes is very thin. So he would basically put the ice pick through the top of the eyeball hammer it and wiggle it around so that the frontal lobe nerves were severed i took a screenshot just then guys just so you know (laughs) everybody had their everybody had their hands above their face (laughs) that's a lot it's so funny because i could tell that you all reacted hugely there but my inner went my inter went my internet went so it all got fucked up so you all got frozen in this face of horror and that's that shouldn't be funny but it was hilarious i'm so sorry oh dear God, that's so, barbaric though man like yeah that's horrendous it, it's barbaric. That's a barbaric mistake guys <laughs> yeah. that's one of whoops one of the crimes history pretends to be embarrassed about now. How were we to know? It seems so normal. So when you said transorbital lobotomy, is that literally trans through orbital eye lobotomy? Oh, guys. Absolutely. That, yeah, I, I was going to ask. Never. So he's going through the eye. He's not taking eyes out or anything. He's literally piercing someone's working eye. It doesn't pierce the eye. You can actually access the bone 
by going through a membrane that will heal itself so it didn't blind people, it didn't damage them. It was great, wow. Katie. It was a miracle. It was great. I mean, wow. in some cases, didn't go no, so thank well. you. Yeah, no, I thank you. <laughs> so. Keep it. <laughs> I remember once, um, me and Katie were in a museum because we're pretty cultured. And um, I remember your contact lens had gone like to the back of your oh, head. Yeah. And I had to like, oh. fish your contact lens out of your eye. And I think it, it kind of feels similar is what I'm saying. Totally the same. This, this I've had that happen. That, Hannah, you healed me. Oh my god! Yeah. Okay. But no, that's <laughs> fucking hell, man. It's insane, isn't it? What people think was good because I guess he's trying to do good medicine at that point because of his dad and his granddad. But and... like, yeah, is he trying to do good medicine or is he trying to be, you know, ostentatious to make headlines mm. to impress his family? Guys, mm. this is exactly why I chose this case because even though at the time, I mean, I've. I've given the spoiler that he's never brought up on any criminal charges. This area of medicine fascinates me. I've been listening to a lot of Dr. Death, so I sort of look back in history. I remember learning about this when I was training to be a therapist, and it was touched on in such a... It was like, yeah, this was horrific, but he was doing the best he could. Oh. And so I was like, oh, I want to revisit this and actually find out, like, who does... Like, who yeah. comes up with this and then keeps doing it? Yeah. So... Guys, that's the worst part. I mean, obviously there are details about like he does it, so that's bad. But you've survived the like visceral description of the technique. Yeah, um, Christine's <laughs> proud. Well done. <laughs> well done, guys. Should we all just clap ourselves? Christine, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is the very much the straight the straight so brand of, of of this yeah. podcast. Christine, I'm so sorry, because sometimes we're like, we're just talking about female pirates, and I feel like we invited you on, like, here's a gruesome one. Yeah, Have this fun. is very Honestly, gory. I absolutely love it. Don't apologize. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Isn't, it, isn't it perversely fascinating? It's horrific, yes. but it's just like, this really happened, and we have to look at ourselves as humans. Yeah. Anyway. Let's yeah. get uncomfortable. <laughs> What? Let's get uncomfortable. What does his What does his partner, the neurosurgeon Watts, think of this idea? So he pitches him. He's like, "I've been practicing on dead guys with my ice pick. Let's do it." What does Watts think of this? I feel like I don't, I don't have a handle on Watts yet. He feels like a bit of a yes man at this point. Well, I feel like the neurosurgeon would be first talking about what the risks are. Yes. <laughs> like, and also, I don't know if going through an eye socket counts as neurosurgery, like, because neuro is brain, right? But mm -hmm. if you're accessing through the eye socket, there's obviously eye stuff that you need That's to be, speciality. like, privy to. Yeah, so maybe it's not their area of expertise entirely. I don't know. Are people going blind from this? Yeah. I'd have so many questions if I was no, the neurosurgeon. That's a really great point. And I'm going to piggyback on that and say that he... Um, Shit, I forgot what I was going to say. Wait, it's going to come back. <laughs> you need a lobotomy. I... <laughs> Having children actually performs a mild lobotomy. It does. Is this against his Hippocratic Oath? Because they're not supposed to harm anybody. Do no harm is the first principle. Yeah, yes. so he might be scared oh. that it's too out there. Yeah. yeah. HG? Yeah. Oh, I add? just read a book called Do No Harm, and for HG oh. to have read a book, she feels like she has to say it on a podcast. So, um, <laughs> Do No Harm is it, it was it was a, a, a um, neurosurgeon um, who just write, wrote a book about his his time doing um, brain surgery, um, mm -hmm. and I read it. So I don't know what the question was. Fuck it, carry on. <laughs> I was just, I was just thinking this is a chance to brag that you've read a book. I just want to. What say... do you think? Well, I read a book, guys, so fuck you. <laughs> it was about carpentry. Cheers. <laughs> That's all applaud. <laughs> well, guys. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to lump you all together. You were all on to something, especially Hannah George reading a book. Um, <laughs> Watts found it monstrous. He said, okay. you cannot do this. So Freeman says, I guess I'll go out on my own. But what you guys touched on is so key. This is the <laughs> part of this that like, uh, yeah, the actual procedure is so grotesque and horrible, but it's this part of it that blows my mind the most. He started doing this because you don't have to do it in a hospital. Oh, no, that's oh. even worse. It's even worse. So this is like an outpatient procedure that he starts doing. So... 
Anyway, no I've gotten ahead of myself. No safety how? Room. How is that allowed to yes. not be done in a hospital? I'm jumping on that. How is that allowed? Is it a loop, loophole? Is it a legal loophole? That he's well, found? didn't we do? We did that case about the fasting woman, and she was the woman that told people to fast, and lots of people yeah. died because they didn't eat any fucking food. And yeah. um, she called herself Dr. Whatever. <laughs> I can't remember what it was. I did the case. <laughs> but, like. It's interesting that thing of, and she had to go to, to another country afterwards because in America, at some point, they tightened their belt on that, and they were like, "You can't just call yourself a doctor because people will yeah. trust you." Yeah, yeah. Add to this that you've got he's a man, he's a white man, and he has a medical degree. So who's going to question him? And his grandfather is yeah. this war hero, medical. Uh... Like no one's going to call this guy out. So. A lot of sources, I have to say this for the sake of balance, they treat Freeman, and I was taught about Freeman, he was just a, a well-intended but misguided doctor See, who was... it's fascinating hearing about how he was taught as well. You know, that's half of everything, isn't it? Like, it happened, yeah. but then this is what we told everyone about what it happened. Yeah. Like, that's Let me whole... ask you your next question, because... It's weighing up, was he just well-intended? Was he following the do no harm? Or did he honestly think he was doing good? So, you know, history kind of treats him as sort of a, whoops, well, that's a big fuck up, but you tried. There's quite a few dodgy things about how he actually operated that makes me at least question what his intentions were. And that, by the way, is the difference between a civil malpractice suit and an actual criminal suit, which are exceedingly rare. Um, there are very few cases that doctors are charged with anything on the criminal level, unless they've done it outside of their practice. Okay. Um, wow. I mean, that's with a modern lens. But what are some of the things that you think he was doing that were kind of unorthodox, kind of dodgy about how he started doing this? Ooh. Ooh. Like li lying to patients, saying that it was legit, maybe? I don't that's know. That's got to be one. No evidence it was yeah lying about the results yeah. you had maybe i once bought some like tooth whitening stuff online and i mean <laughs> did it not work because i urgently need some of that and i can't go to my dentist what is it about lockdown that makes your teeth get worse like i swear my teeth are worse it's weird i think my it's because i forget to brush them crumbled you i'm only chewing on what? one side at the moment oh that's not good no and like do you remember when we did the guilty feminist and i broke my tooth right before we started Yes, I remember that. So, That's the same tooth. When Deborah punched you in the face, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just for the listeners, that did not happen. She's, I love Deborah. I, she's amazing. So I went to the dentist after that and he like rebuilt it and he went, this is temporary. You're going to have to do the proper root canal, whatever it is. And I was like, yeah, I'll make this last. It's crumbled now and over a few different mealtimes. And the real risk is that I can get food like it's going to cause an infection. So I'm just chewing on one side so that I can't risk I really, it. I really don't like leaning into British stereotypes. <laughs> Katie. But oh my God. Anyone who says, I'll make this last <laughs> after their fucking tooth breaks, like that is British as fuck. Oh, <laughs> outed with our dirty British teeth. You guys, I mean, definitely how he communicated with patients and how much they knew. Absolutely. Deceptive. I mean, this was a time where it was just like, I'll treat them. And even if people thought they knew what was about to happen, there was just so little, you know, doctors were reaching God status at this point, even though everything's so poorly understood, there had been enough breakthroughs, but not so much in mental oh, health well, that the, they were just the, trusted. The golden era of medicine is apparently 1940 to 1980 ish um in that time that's when they discovered lots of drugs and antibiotics and kidney um operations and then since katie, the 1980s it's been downhill i gotta say katie your version of working on yourself seems a little bit stressful <laughs> like you're taking in a whole lot of academic that, knowledge that was a fact i, I knew it. from the before times okay oh, but, that's but I have a my version of self-care is like i'm having a fucking bath and i'm gonna get drunk in it but katie's <laughs> like i will learn the history <laughs> of medicine <laughs> but um what, what are people going to him with is he well, let me... as a backstreet mental health guy what's his mo here no he's really not but i'm gonna let me just rattle off the dodgy things he's doing and then we'll talk about the population that he treated so 
first of all, he wasn't hygienic, so he would joke about, like, I don't really care about that germ crap. That's a quote from him. I don't care about that germ crap. (laughs) He'd operate without gloves or a mask, and he would sometimes perform the procedure in hotels and in public spaces. Um, He wasn't at all interested in finding out what the science was behind, so in the few cases where it would actually yield the desired result... He wasn't at all interested in finding out, like, well, what's happening in those cases? What's going wow. on in the frontal lobe? He didn't want to do research. He didn't want to learn anything about it. He's like, I got this, guys. Um, also, because he was doing this on an outpatient basis, he wasn't putting the patients to sleep because you can only administer general anesthesia in a hospital. So he would either induce a seizure so the patients wouldn't remember it or experience any pain, but he was just doing ECT. He would... Do electroconvulsive, ther- electroconvulsive therapy, which was another treatment at the time. Or sometimes he only used local anesthetic. Oh, wow. I know. I know. And his fatality rate was more than 14%. Which oh, is-, is that all? 14? I mean, I know. It yeah, sounds again, pretty good, doesn't it? I know you didn't make us guess that one, but that, that seems lower than I thought that's it why would be. I, that's why I didn't make you guess it, but that, that is horrific. I mean, it's that's pretty bad, really isn't horrific. it? Question, what did he charge per lobotomy? Because he's obviously charging for this. He's getting, you yeah. know, he's on... Yeah. This God, is in feel... the 40s, is it? Yeah, it yep, is, we're yeah. 40s and 50s we're going into. I feel so sad for people that, you know, to get to the point where you think I need to get my loved one a lobotomy, because I, I don't know whether people who were having the lobotomies were the ones that were going, I need a lobotomy. So to get to that point with somebody where you feel yeah. like this is the only... Also, I wonder if... In order to get more people through the door, he was like mm. under whatever the word is, like making it cheap, cheaper than you might think. To Christine, like, you're such a smarty, smart, smart detective. Oh, he's Am the cheapest I? guy on the block. Fuck. He only charged, and even for the time, this was not a lot for a medical procedure. He charged 25 bucks a pop, $25. <gasps> The same as my fucking teeth whitening kit. (laughs) (laughs) It's exactly the same. (laughs) This is why you can empathize with this journey, Hannah, because you've been there. You've been there. This is a big part of what felt real dodgy, is he had turned his practice into a traveling show, basically. There are rumors that he called his car the Lobotomobile. Fuck off. That's a great name. I'm sorry. It's it's, a great name. I'm pretty sure it's a myth, but what a great name. Christine is finally (laughs) on side. He's won Christine with wordplay. But the thing is, there have always been writers, and that's why I kept that in. Somebody wrote that, and it's, it's, it's great. But he'd go town to town to do demonstrations, so he was more like a showman so than a doctor. So he sensationalized it. Do you know what? He would contact the media when he'd show up in town and be like, come watch me. Go ahead, HG, what were you going to no, say? No, I was just going to say that I hate this. these fucking people who just want to be celebrities. They just want yeah. to be... It's like Boris Johnson. It, it really yeah. is. I look at him mm. and I think he just wants to be the guy that is presenting Have I Got News For You. He wants to be a celebrity. He wants to be adored and he wants people to he like him and he thinks he's funny. He and he's so not. And he's endangering exactly. people's lives. No, 100%. And I yeah. think these people are so <clears throat> fucking dangerous. They're the people... It's why the arts yeah. hasn't got any support in this country anyway mm-hmm. through this whole coronavirus is because I think the people in charge are bitter about the fact that <gasps> some people get to be actors, some people get to be directors, they yeah. get to work in theatres and on television and, and be film. Creative. Yeah. yeah. And he, and he never did and they never did. And actually I think that that's that's oh yeah. God, yeah, people like that are really fucking dangerous. Yeah. The, the minute you said like a sideshow, mm. a kind of performance i'm like oh yeah he's lost me also feels like yeah (laughs) (laughs) he had me at lobotomobile and then after that i was out it's a no um, from hannah george but also i think like going back to his dad and or his granddad and his dad legacy and like yeah just wanting to impress but not on their terms on his terms or something this feels totally like a pursuit of power (gasps) and and nothing to do with like science it's like he's he's lich oh my god this is like oedipus killing his parents i know that's not quite what oedipus (laughs) did and i know i've said it wrong but 
It's like... Did you say Weedipus? Weedipus. Oedipus. Whatever the fuck. I o- heard Oedipus. Weedipus. I heard anyway. Oedipus. So this is what... This is it. Building on what Chris... I'm snowballing on Christine and running with it. <laughs> he has taken the legacy of his family and he is like embellishing it... And it's like a fuck you to them a bit. Yeah. It's like he's got 100%. this dangerous ego. He's like, yeah, I could do what you did. Easy. But yeah. I've decided I'm to better. add my own layer and I'm even better than you. And he's a fucking psychopath. Mm. Mm. It's that desperation you... to do something, to be remembered, to be on a fucking podcast. That's yeah. what he's done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I knew you guys would run with this case. I really did. <laughs> and I think that's just, it's a really good question to ask of somebody who's just kind of remembered in history is like, yeah, we have the archives of what he did and it was horrible that, oh, he tried. Like, it's just... um... Yeah, the fucking double standards of what counts as fucking trying. Yeah. Well, you're about to get even angrier at him, so to showcase practices, he used to do both eyes at a time to show people... That he Get could. over yourself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fucking meditate, one... mate. It's not that hard. <laughs> yeah. I swear we've had so many cases too where you're like, they just wanted to be an actor and they couldn't, yeah. so they became <laughs> so a many, killer. So yeah. many. I would say like 97% of <laughs> <laughs> people. Dr. Yeah. Crippen, if he fucking got into the music hall, he'd be fine. I'm going to bring up this detail. On one occasion, he stopped in the middle of the procedure to pose for a photo. Oh, revolting, revolting uh, yeah. behavior. Oh, wow. You guys have reacted before I even oh, no. said oh, no. the patient died because he turned to get a photo. That's disgusting. Wow. It's Fuck. it's revolting. So there's a case against him. But as you said, it's in the wrong camp. Yeah. In terms of do no harm, surely that falls under <laughs> that. Well, here we go on to something that will shock no one. There's something about who his patients are beyond just being vulnerable and mentally ill that shows us how unfair this treatment was. Oh no, this is going to be awful. What do you think it is about the statistics of his population? Oh God. I guess they're they're poverty stricken perhaps. If he's doing it for $25, they're not, you know, it's not the rich people. that They're people with less rights enshrined in law, aren't they? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, children are they children I wish I could say you're all wrong Um, although Katie I will give a very prominent example of a super famous person he treated so he did treat wealthy people it wasn't was Um, it one of the Kennedys yes oh Oh, I knew this is it that sister fuck okay that was as soon as you started talking about it I thought about the Kennedy wow yeah But um, I'll give you some, I tried to find the stats, but what I could find is that 70% of his patients were women. Wow. And many, I couldn't get a stat, but many were black or Native American. Wow. Um, So that anecdote about turning for the camera to get a photo, that was somebody who was Cherokee. (gasps) And... You can't help but think, how the hell did no one report him, or did anything happen? And it's like, wow. So that was playing into it. As yeah, I bet well. that he didn't. He didn't. Fin- I mean, that didn't finish him off, did it? Like, not at all. Oh. Um, so even at this time, lobotomies were considered a last resort. So however horrific you think lobotomies are, they were at least like, okay, we've tried everything else, whatever that was, leeches, punching them in the face. Okay, it's got to be a lobotomy. Um, he performed it on. Cases like women who had postnatal depression, people who had insomnia or anxiety. As Christine said, he performed it on children whose parents described them as out of control. So basically, like all of us would have qualified for this at some point (laughs) in our lives. Um, So there was a woman called Ms. Welsh who was lobotomized by Freeman in 1953 for postnatal depression. Her daughter, Rebecca was interviewed by NPR and says that her mother spent most of her life in mental institutions. And she's convinced that Freeman's lobotomy destroyed her mother's life. She was quoted as saying, I personally think that something in Dr. Freeman wanted to be able to conquer people and take away who they were. Ms. Welsh said, um, next question. Who do you think his youngest patient was? Oh, God. Oh, I feel I like it might be maybe his own kid or something. His youngest patient was 12 years old. He was a boy called Howard Dully, and miraculously, Howard 
So he was sent to him just because his stepmother found him difficult, and there's no real proof that, even if that was a good enough reason. But, like, just um, the trauma. Ugh, anyway. But Mm. he miraculously survived um, and came out of it without... He thinks that it absolutely affected his life, but he wrote a book about his experience called My Lobotomy, and I read interviews with him and saw... He's a really fascinating guy. He's still alive. Wow. Um, What part of his brain got killed? Well, this is all frontal lobe, but because it was so imprecise every procedure was a bit different because they're just, I mean, you've heard how it was done. So it was just like closing your eyes and poking at something. Like you don't know which section you're going to damage or not damage. his brain could have grown back? Is that how? No, that that doesn't happen. I've let down science. It's okay. It sounds like you're not really taking your self-help very seriously if you don't know that fact, Katie. <laughs> Neurons can regenerate, but you can't remove brain tissue and it just sort of grows back the way that like skin can regenerate. But anyway, so okay. yes, Hannah already got to this part. Rosemary Kennedy was his most famous patient. That's JFK's sister. Um, mm. And she was left severely brain damaged after the procedure in 1941. She lived till 86 in this state um but this was far from what even led to him being stopped so my question is when was his last lobotomy how long did this guy go oh my god so he what he started in the 40s Uh and he he did rosemary kennedy Mm -hmm. yeah well even 30s he started yeah 30s 40s i mean i would i hate to think that he was still working into the late 60s early 70s yeah, I was going to say 60s. 70s is too scary for me to utter. His last lobotomy was in 1967. Wow. Yep. It was Jeez. a 67-year-old woman who was having her third lobotomy by Freeman, and she died, and he was finally banned from doing the procedure. Why the fuck did but she go back three times? I know. Yeah, like, it's how was such he a... able to continue pra- practicing uh, for as long as he did? But the kicker is, he didn't even lose his license. He just lost the right to perform this procedure. So he opened up a little private practice. He still practiced medicine until he died. Interestingly, by the 1950s, as early as 1950, other countries had already banned this procedure. Like the U.S. was still letting this go on, but Japan, Germany, and the Soviet Union had banned it. Taylor. Yes. Taylor, we may have shit (laughs) tea. I'm sorry, but the UK was not one of the countries who oh, banned it early. Oh, no! <clears throat> Shit, where did we ban it? No, it's kind of like, ironically, it's like the Allies fucked up. Did you learn nothing from the war? Is it still um, legal in the UK? No, We're going to bring it back not. with our great trade deal. But the latest lobotomies <laughs> were still being performed as late as the 1970s in France. Wow. How many lobotomies do you think he performed in his career? Rapid fire, what number? 600. Oh, it'll, it'll be in 600. the 600. Okay. 500. Okay. We, I think maybe 250. He performed nearly 4,000. I was, uh, I was incorrect there. Fuck. Yeah. 2,500 of which were ice pick lobotomies, which killed around 500 patients. Um, oh, so wow. This case is infuriating. Like, I'm aware of that. I know we don't leave on the like, that was fun. But it just feels but like something so, important to revisit. Were these criminal acts or just the product of a system that was flawed, a lack of knowledge? Um, 100% criminal acts. Is, is he telling the people there's a chance they might die? Like, there's loads of criminal... The, That's a yeah. good question. I think it's both of those things. Like, he's oh, he's he's being allowed to work in this way, yeah. in a system that allows it. And and he feels entitled to work yes. in this way um, because he is yeah average white man yeah yeah <laughs> it's abuse and entitlement yeah. absolutely to yeah. bring it back to to fucking Boris Johnson is it it feels like that it feels like a similar thing of like he's just oh, yeah he's not being told he's not being yeah. told to stop and how what do you he's keep doing... getting away with this yeah. Yeah, yeah, mm. and he's committing to sort of something that kills people. And, Can we oh, impeach prime ministers? <laughs> oh, maybe. Yeah, what is your... Again, I, 
let's talk about teeth whitening and impeachment in the UK because well, I can help you. You can help me. It doesn't work so great in America, but obviously. I think, like, but we but, can. But I think the thing that I sort of am trying to say about like Bojo is it's fucking ego and that's that's why i think it's a criminal act with him is he is there's so much of it is ego and it goes down to and you know your ego perhaps is created by your grandfather and your father and what you have to prove or whatever but it's it, it comes down to ego for me and that's when i don't trust people who are trying to yeah you know seemingly be good but actually they're mm. yeah they're just looking and at still themselves so relevant and topical today like taking pictures with your victims and stuff like that yes. mm. and, you know when oh you think about God. stories in the news at the moment like this stuff just continues and it's revolting and what he was never held accountable for it is that right that's Yikes. such a good just comparison horrid. Fucking hell. Horrid, horrid. when did he die taylor so how long was he fucking going for so as a doctor he died I think it was 1972. I forgot to write it down, but I, I read a whole lot about this one. And his, the end of his life is, um, you know, I don't want to sink so low that we revel in anyone's death, but the ending of his life is a little bit ironic in that Freeman died because of complications during surgery. Oh, jeez. Right. Was he doing it himself, though? Because... Yeah, stabbing himself in the eye, like yeah. a cunt would. So one of the major things that brought lobotomies to an end was well an increase in research and understanding how the brain works but it was psychiatric drugs but the the killer about that's a wrong choice of words but the uh, the thing about this case that drives me crazy is that they sort of say well we finally got psychiatric drugs but lithium was known in the in, 70s no 1948 <gasps> Wow. They knew lithium. They didn't understand bipolar disorder, but they knew lithium had an impact on huh. mood. Um, antipsychotics were introduced. God, I'm probably wrong because I am going from memory. Onwards. No, Prozac 1950- is 80. Prozac is much later, antidepressants. But oh. antipsychotics, I think the first one was in like 1952. Like these weren't unheard oh. of by the time. Yes, they weren't refined and that they had their own problems, but... I am going to raise a glass to psychiatric drugs and accountability in modern medicine. Cheers, guys! In modern medicine! (laughs) I read a book! (laughs) Drunk women solving crime. This is a listener crime from Verity Gurney. Thank you very much for sending this in. We've been in lockdown for... This is me quoting her, by the way. I'm drunk now. (laughs) We've been in lockdown for four weeks now and have only left the house three times i know we can leave for an hour a day but fuck that (laughs) i love her (laughs) it's myself and my husband simon and oh the cat but i'm going to discount her from this crime for you on easter sunday there was a facebook post to say someone had been seen on cctv nicking things from cars at this point i thought it was just morons leaving their cars unlocked and didn't bother to check but the next day i noticed two coins on the ground next to simon's car i checked and the door was unlocked all the change he kept hidden was taken and also some stock from his business totaling about 170 pounds. My question is, did the masked man somehow manage to get into Simon's car without leaving any damage or did Simon, in fact, leave the car unlocked, much like the back door of the house? <laughs> Burn. <laughs> wow. Well, clearly I, Simon's got previous with the back door of the house. Yeah. So I have to read this because she wrote, I really want you to agree with me that it's Simon's fault. I will never talk to him about it again, but I want confirmation of his guilt. Oh my God, I love it. Simon fucking sucks. You know what? I'm throwing Simon under the bus. Fuck you, We're Simon. Kind of, yeah, the bus that you would have left open, fucking idiot. Simon. Guilty. This was the wrong episode to ask for mercy we're kind of mad right now and also we just supporting you it was definitely simon (laughs) she does say the car has central lock locking but you need the key and the car was last used the thursday before now you can scramble it and get into the car without entry but i don't think we need to go into that verity wants a guilty verdict and we're gonna give it to her Christine, what are you up to? Would you like people to follow you or would you like them to stay away? You Follow me if you like. No judgment if you don't. I, you know, I'm not for everyone. That's all right. Um, but uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm Xdean underscore, sorry, Robbo. Xdean underscore Robbo. There's no sorry. 
there's an underscore and I know that's difficult. Um, so I'm on Twitter. And then I'm writing on shows. Fab. But the, I'm writing on new shows that haven't been announced yet. Ooh. So I can't really plug them. That's but, exciting, uh, but yeah. Just find me on Twitter. Find me on Twitter, but Intrigue. no obligation to follow because I do tweet a lot of nonsense. Oh, that's what Twitter is for. Christine, you've been so fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. We've been the Drunk Women, and do follow us on social media. Give us some five star reviews and send in your listener crimes. Good night. Another round of applause. Drunk Women Solving Crime is produced by Amanda Redman with music by The Lion and the Wolf. You can follow us on Twitter at Drunk Women Pod and on Facebook and Instagram at Drunk Women. Solving Solving crime and please review us on apple podcasts also if you've got a petty crime you want us to solve then please write it in that review and we'll solve it thank you so much to acast for hosting us and thank you for listening hey it's Paige desorbo from giggly squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to quince I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com style. 